Heavenly Features is brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions. Hey everyone, uh, just a quick content warning uh, at the top here. We do talk about suicide, conversion therapy, mental and physical abuse, self-harm and the Conservative government in this episode. Hello and welcome to Heavenly Features, the weekly podcast where your hosts Sophie and Kim. Hey, how's it going? Get together to talk about films. Each week we take it in turns to recommend a movie and this week it was Kim's turn. So yes. what have you chosen this week? <laughs> okay, so this week I chose the 2018 film uh, The Miseducation of Cameron Post based on the novel uh, by the same name by Emily M. Danforth. Uh, so the film was written by Cecilia Frisuele and Desiree Achthaven uh, and directed by Desiree Achthaven. And it stars Chloe Grace Moretz, Sasha Lane and Forrest Goodluck. So the miseducation of Cameron Post follows Cameron, played by uh, Chloe, as she is found out to be having a queer relationship uh, by her highly religious family. Uh, So they send her to conversion therapy camp. Uh, The camp is run by, as Mike from Butter Machili would say, an ex-gay Rick. uh, And the big boss, who is Rick's sister and she-devil, Dr. Lydia Marsh. Uh, Cameron meets a group of teens who have all been sent to the camp to, quote, cure them from their same-sex attraction, uh, two of which she becomes very close with. Uh, So that's Adam, who is a two-spirit Native American whose father changed religion and went into politics, and Adam didn't fit his campaign look. And Jane, who grew up in a commune uh, until her mum got a new boyfriend uh, who was religious, and Jane didn't fit in with that. Uh, So we follow the abuse that is conversion therapy. uh, And this film, I think, shows it really well where there are people who have been sent there who are just going through the motions um, because they have no other choice. And people who are sent there and truly believe that they are sinners and need, quote, curing. Uh, I think this film is well made and deals with uh, really hard hitting topics, but also finds the humour within. Uh, What do you think, Soph? Did Did you enjoy it? Did you think that... It also found the humour within the hard-hitting topics. <laughs> yeah, so I first saw this when it came out. Um, it had a limited release, I believe, in the UK. And uh, we've got like a art, ha- art house sort of cinema, somewhat local to us. So I saw it oh, there as cool. part of their film festival thing. <clears throat> yeah, and it was, it was really good. Um, I enjoyed it at the time, but I hadn't revisited it for a good couple of years. Um, so I was definitely glad to, that you kind of recommended it to kind of revisit this one. And yeah, I feel, think that it had a really um, good balance between the serious nature of what conversion therapy is, whilst also showing the humanity of the people who, who go there. And that, of course, includes like the humour that goes along with it. Um, and just like the general kind of uh, displays of being a teenager um, and how that can affect you, either by a sense of rebelliousness, or it could be through self-doubt and being incredibly vulnerable to like the praise of uh, the people who run these camps, who uh, essentially emotionally abuse these children. So, yeah, I thought it was a really, really interesting one to uh, start with. And I think it opened really strongly. Um, it sets the tone straight away in this uh, speech that is is being said by the youth pastor um, that uh, Cameron is at this youth group, youth Christian group, and uh, we hear this uh, initially being told to them, and then in a and then being like narrated 
And uh, in the opening speech, I thought it was really interesting in setting the tone because part of what they say is you won't see it now, you won't see it tomorrow, but what feels like fun is actually the enemy and that enemy is closing the noose around your neck. And that sets the tone that this is all about repression. This film is about making people repress the parts of themselves that uh, some people consider to be dangerous or to be immoral. And... You know, that is being said broadly to everyone at that youth group. So they might be talking about, you know, not experimenting with drugs or alcohol or sexual relationships. But it also means about not discovering your homosexuality uh, for those for who that is relevant. Um, And so it sets right from the beginning this tone and this culture that Cameron lives in. Um, And you can understand, therefore, why she ends up in this conversion therapy camp after she has discovered uh, canoodling uh, with with a young woman. Yeah, I I think that the opening there, like, as you said, set it up so well. And also, like, I found it so terrifying that this guy, that the, the pastor was, like, so making himself relatable to these kids. Like, oh, you know, we've mm. all done this stuff, so you don't have to. Like, oh, I'm, I understand everything, and, like, we're here to protect you from this as opposed to like how it should be which is yeah you're going to fuck up and you want to protect your kids but you know they're going to fuck up um yeah and by that i don't mean like be homosexual i mean like everyone experiments and tries stuff and like drugs and alcohol and stuff and you're meant to get that stuff out of the way when you're a youth so that then you can discover who you are yeah because uh, here they're basically teaching abstinence mm-hmm. and repression mm-hmm. Um, so abstain from these harmful activities, repress parts of you that are sinful. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, I certainly benefited from having parents that allowed me to safely explore parts of who I am or explore things like alcohol and things like that at a younger age. Um, but they did it in a way where there were boundaries. Sometimes they, I did stuff that they were unaware of, of course. But like they were, they made it a very safe thing that you can try things you can you can um you know start to explore who you are as a young person and develop who you are as a young person just don't go too far and be safe and be careful and give you that space to kind of become who you are um this is the complete opposite this is shut everything down and therefore you can see that kind of very harsh uh criticizing culture that they are growing up in, in terms of, you know, everybody's judging, everybody's looking at what everybody else is doing and making assessments and judgments about whether or not they are being moral. Um, And that must be incredible pressure to to live under. Yeah, oh my uh, God. Especially as a young person. Yeah, I just, like, I'm the same as you. I grew up um, with parents who would, were fine with me experimenting to a certain extent, like, they, yeah. Like when I was a toddler, boundaries. when I was a toddler, they got me a little like uh, tumbler to have uh, shandy in, like as uh, around the dinner table as a, as like a little toddler, like so alcohol was always allowed to a certain extent as a kid because it was in my family it was always like oh we have a social drink. Yes, when I was a teenager, I was allowed maybe like a white wine spritzer or something if at like Christmas. Well, I remember, I remember coming coming to yours uh for one of your birthdays and 
your parents didn't realize that we'd been out drinking all day. Uh, and then your mum gave us like a few bottles of alcohol pops as like a treat because we yeah. were like underage. But she was like, oh, you know, this is a safe space to try this. And like, obviously, yeah. she didn't know that we'd just downed a bottle of vodka. But like, it was such no, a WKD nice WKD and Bacardi breeze. Yeah, it was such <laughs> a nice, level. a nice thing for her to do. And you did feel safe in that house, having like a little tipple. And if we weren't so fucked up ourselves, I think that's the extent we would have done it. It's just it yes. just so happened that we were had going had things. a lot of things that we were going through, so we took it to extremes. But I can't even imagine what I would have taken it to if I grew up in a house of this sort, like where anything you do is being like monitored to the point where you are basically taught self-hate. Like I hated myself enough yeah. without being taught it. Like Jesus. Yeah. So Cameron is, is living with her aunt after the death of her parents. And her aunt is, is very religious. We don't really know what the background of her her parents are. So I haven't read the book, but I did look into it a no. lot. Um, and the parents apparently in the book aren't uh, religious. So okay. she didn't grow up with this. And then they died and was she was sent to this very religious thing. So she, in the book, she hasn't grown up with this. And all of a sudden is thrust right. into this world where she's like being preached self-hatred, basically. And... Which I think yeah. is, I, I'm going to read the book because I think that will be a really interesting take on it. Mm. I think that might explain then because throughout the story, she's able to kind of be a step away yeah. from the culture that she is within. Um, so when she goes to the camp, uh, she is obviously surrounded by several young people who have internalised a lot of the homophobia yeah. um, that they have been preached um, to for the, probably their entire lives. Yeah. Whereas she is kind of, can kind of step back and observe everything. She's there for her aunt's sake. She's not really buying into it herself. Also, at that age, you have no choice in what you're doing. That is true. But you can see that she's probably doing it because her aunt wants her to go there. Yeah. But she's not buying into the to the idea that she has been sinful. Right from the beginning, she seems to be pretty okay with who she is. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that makes quite an interesting protagonist because she is able to be a little bit like us, see, you know, seeing what the conversion therapy is like for the other people there yeah. without it actually necessarily impacting her too heavily because she doesn't buy into the beliefs that are ascribed there. Oh, absolutely. I think that it makes a really interesting person to follow because you are kind of seeing it from the audience's point of view through her eyes, yeah. which I think is fascinating because a lot of the other ones that we see uh, are very much told from someone who has been brought up in that scenario and, and kind of believes it until they have their eyes opened. Like yeah. even in But I'm a Cheerleader, Megan, when she realises that she is a, a homosexual, um, <laughs> she is devastated because she's been brought up in this, and then she, her eyes are obviously yeah. opened by the the one, the only Cleo Duval. Uh, so, yeah. you know, and I think I think yeah, this makes it really interesting to follow because you are kind of looking at it through her eyes that are your eyes. Yeah, it it, it provides a unique perspective, 
Um, and considering that, uh, thankfully, neither of us have been to a conversion oh, therapy God, yeah. situation, um, never gone through anything like that, um, it gives the viewer a, an in so that we can ex- not experience, but we can we can see what it might be like for people who go to these sorts of places, yeah. and we can empathize with them. And I think that's probably really the, the point of this, the whole story, actually, is that we can realize how vulnerable these young people are and therefore um, can, you know, know that conversion therapy is wrong and therefore hopefully work towards um, helping to ban it in, you know, worldwide, really, but certainly... And the, the intention probably here is, is in America or in certain states in America. And then being from the UK, we can certainly watch this and go, yeah, and we have it here and it's a problem. We need to ban it as well here. So I think the message can be global. Um, but I think that the message of the film is that it, this doesn't serve anyone. It only teaches people to self-hate. It doesn't actually work in suppressing um, homosexuality um, or, or any other kind of, you know, perversive, I think I might have made that word up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'm trying to say something intelligent. Um, (laughs) I've rubbed off on you. That's what it is. (laughs) Mm, uh, No, any kind of um, perversion, I guess, is... is, That might be considered a perversion, I guess, by some people. To clarify, neither Uh, of us think that being queer... I don't think but, like, yeah. Uh, So... Yeah, what we what we do find as we go there straight away, I have the same question I have every time we watch anything to do with uh, conversion therapy, is why do they keep putting like the same gendered people in rooms together to quote I mean, cure their same sex attraction? Exactly, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Like logically, how is that meant to make sense? Surely people are just more likely to be tempted or explore their sexuality in the confines of their own bedroom. I don't understand it. And it seems to be a trope that happens. I can only imagine that's because it actually happens in these places. Um, But it doesn't make any logical sense if that's your mission is to try and dissuade people from being homosexual. They should should just have their own rooms because also you can't put uh, two people of, quote, the opposite sex in the room because you're also not meant to be like fornicate yes like (laughs) so yeah it just makes no sense whatsoever and i just yeah i don't get it and it's it happens in every film that we see which obviously luckily both of us the only experience we have with conversion therapy is through films and media like obviously we've seen some documentaries and and articles written and books written so our only experience is through this and like every time it's oh yeah we'll put the the people who are quote struggling with their same sex attraction in the room with someone who is of the same sex and be like yeah don't act on it though guys like it, it makes it no sense crazy. yeah so at the conversion therapy camp we see the different types of therapies that they go through some of which is uh, group therapy, sing-along therapy. God, um, it sounds awful. Um, oh, you <laughs> say that. Really to... we, we sing along all the time. <laughs> no, but I'm very adverse to, to, you know, white guys in a guitar, acoustic guitar singing songs. I'm badly. just adverse to, like, um... group therapy in general. <laughs> well, there is that. Um, and then they're encouraged to 
do uh, independent work uh, where they uh, look at their icebergs and look at, try and find their route, as they would say in Bada I'm a Cheerleader. Um, they also do uh, kind of one-on-one um, sessions in terms of I- inmates within the camp talking to each other to try and explore each other's um, issues uh, or, you know, where their homosexuality has come from and how they're trying to kind of stop those temptations. And then they also have therapy with the person who runs the camp, which is played by uh, Jennifer Ellie. I don't know how you say her surname, I'm afraid. Um, So Dr. Lydia Marsh is the character that she plays. Um, So she's a psychologist, uh, but she is not using science um, to run this conversion therapy place because, you know, pretty much all, I would say all science says that homosexuality is not a mental disorder. It's classified as not being a mental disorder. Um, so that you wouldn't need to go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist to work through any issues um, about trying to change your sexuality because it's not a disorder. So she's using her faith perhaps more than her credentials as a doctor. And she gives these sessions with her brother in the room as well. Which also, I'm sorry, seems really like two two on one therapy sessions like uh, as soon as i saw that having having been someone yeah. who's been in therapy lots like i would i'm nervous enough one-on-one if i had two yeah. people in there especially two people telling me that i'm wrong for being who i am mm. I would, like what an awful situation to be in especially it when it's all this intense. false science bullshit well also there's no indication that rick has any idea what he's doing well at all. We learn, like he's had no training. We learn later in the film, so I'm just going to skip ahead slightly here, that Rick is Dr. Lydia Marsh's brother and that yes. he was her first guinea pig in this. So she, quote, cured him from his homosexual tendencies or whatever the fuck they say. Um, and it's just like, oh God, how heartbreaking, firstly. And he's now just completely indoctrinated in this camp that they've set up like mm. i can't imagine any of like my siblings being firstly being that involved in my life that they would like give a fuck who i'm sleeping with but like what the fuck like it's terrifying it's pretty intense isn't it like she has he he seems like a very docile person and a very naive person in many ways we see throughout the the story that he has these moments where he can't really see what's actually happening around you him. You can't help but so love probably, him. Yeah, so you you can't... Um, he, he can see how he might be easily manipulated himself. Yeah. And the, the, the tragic thing, and why I do feel some form of empathy to, towards him, even though he is complicit in harming these children Absolutely. with emotional abuse, is that he himself has gone through that. And not only has he gone through it, but he's gone through it with a, a family member being the person who is who is manipulating him, trying to repre- help him make him suppress his feelings. Uh, so the, the extra pressures that must come and, and, and emotional entanglements that must come with that as well. And then the fact that he is, what, 40 years old probably um, in this. And you can imagine as a young man, that's when he went through this, you know, revelation of, of not being gay anymore um, because of this therapy or supposed therapy. And so, and yet he's still at the camp. Yeah, he's had like fifteen years of it. 
he's never escaped the camp. Which also he's stuck there. You you have this thing like with a lot like you Stockholm syndrome is a thing like where people yeah. are taken and they end up sympathizing and liking their captives like it's a thing and the fact that that's his sister I just like yeah. oh, it's heartbreaking. It, it is heartbreaking and as much as he is complicit um you can't help but feel sorry for him in that and a lot of the time in conversion therapy like that it's come out in the last few years quite a lot these conversion therapy camps shut down because the people leading them turn out to be like queer themselves and realize years down the line after ruining hundreds of people's lives that what they're doing is wrong and you're so torn every time i see that in the news i am so torn with both so much empathy for that person who has thought of themselves in that way for so long that they've thought that they are genuinely saving others and also so much hatred that they're preaching this to to these youths these these genuinely like in such a like a place in their lives where they are so susceptible to it and have no choice in the matter like every time i see that on the news i just like i'm so conflicted like i don't know how to deal with it it's just heartbreaking and then you watch this film and you can see it in person you can see what it's like and you you can't help but love rick like as much as you hate what he's doing it's kind of like yeah. what they preach hate the sin love the sinner <laughs> like it's it's kind of that yeah and also not to say that it's easy but it surely is easier for him to pre- uh, pretend to be ho- uh, heterosexual if he is trapped away from society and away from temptations he is not around another adult male uh, or another adult homosexual male at this camp yeah. it's surely a lot easier for him to you know withhold from acting on any feelings that he might have if he is not able to even come into contact with with people who might tempt him so it's almost i i wonder to a certain extent how much his sister keeps him there so that he doesn't gain his own freedoms to be able to live the life that he perhaps would want to live or could live that's a very good point because like it's a lot it's very easier. remote it's a lot easier easier to abstain when you're in the middle of buttfuck nowhere that was probably the wrong turn of phrase <laughs> it really is <laughs> wow <laughs> but if you're in the middle of nowhere with no one that you could have consensual sex with it's yeah. a lot easier to not have sex like exactly whereas if if you're out in a place where there are other like gay adults you're probably more likely to. And this is not me trying to say, oh, well, let's lock the gays away and keep them separate by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But yeah, like Dr. Lydia Marsh, with all of her fucking credentials, obviously knows that the only way to, quote, cure homosexuality is to lock them up. Because, Because you can't cure it because it's not a fucking disease. And then he's having to listen to her say some of the most horrible things. And she has this way about her. It's a brilliant performance. Oh, she's incredible. Um, by the act- yeah, she's fantastic. She has this kind of stony, cold, um, but very rational um, way of speaking 
so that she sounds very educated. She sounds like you could trust her, that she's coming from a, uh, an area of expertise when she says things. But then when you listen to what she's actually saying, it is horrific. Oh. She says to uh, Cameron, would you let drug addicts throw parades for themselves? Yeah. <sighs> as, as a way to say, like, why would we celebrate somebody being homosexual? Why should we allow, allow someone to live their life in a prideful way? Um, and by that, I don't mean like as in being overly confident. I just mean not having self-esteem issues and being allowed to live your life yeah. in a way where you are you feel proud, not shame. Oh, you mean the same as heterosexual um, around... people? <laughs> well, yeah, most <laughs> most heterosexual people probably do feel that way. And so, just the fact that she can say these things and they sound, in the way that she's saying it, they sound like they could be truthful. That they are rational ideas because of the way that she is able to deliver it. And you can see how for the parents of these children, many of whom will come from faith-based backgrounds, this sounds very reasonable. This sounds like somebody who can help their child. Absolutely. And if you've been brought up... Ridiculous. If you've been brought up to hate homosexuality and it's a sin and against God and it's a choice and it's the same as being a drug addict, it's the same as being... Uh, and by the way, this is not me saying that drug addicts should be locked away and like at, at all. That is not me saying that. I just also being addicted to stuff is a disease, and people need help. And the twelve sets step programs or or rehab or anything like that is a great thing. Rehab from being yourself is bullshit. Well, that's the thing. It it, it shows. In her mind, she's rationalising it to be, you don't let drug addicts go and do loads of drugs. You help them and you treat them. And she's saying the same thing about homosexuals. She's saying, you don't let gay people or bisexual people or whatever, you don't let them just go out and, and live a happy life. No, yeah, for them it would be a sinful life, I guess, in her mind. No, you take them and you treat them and you make them so they're heterosexual. Which, yeah, and you can totally understand why someone... Which is another reason why I think this film does it really well, because it makes you understand why people who have been brought up thinking that it is a sin and the same as being a drug addict would send people to be, quote, cured and helped. Because if, yeah. if I had a kid you... and they were doing something that was really harmful to them, I would want to help them. And so the people yes. think genuinely that they are helping this kid who is doing something that is harmful. They don't think of it as they're actually the ones doing something harmful by not, like, allowing their kid to be themselves. Like Exactly. And I, I hate the word accepting because you shouldn't have to be accepted for being queer. Like, it shouldn't be a fucking thing, but it is. So if you can't... Well, accepting is better than tolerating. Yeah, but both both really get on my nerves. Like, you, you don't tolerate me. Don't just accept me for like for this. Like, I am just who I am. Same as you are just who you are. There shouldn't be this fucking, like... Oh, I see what you mean. So you mean, like, don't make an effort to say, oh, well, I accept you. Exactly. When with other people, you would just... You wouldn't even mention whether you accept them or whatever yeah. because they're just who they are. But yeah. people feel like they have to go out on a limb to say, oh, but I accept you, yeah. as if there is something is there something wrong? wrong with it, but it's fine because I accept that. Like, like yeah. it's such bullshit. Or I accept you, I just don't accept all the gays. Exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, I, like, I am so lucky with my 
like parents and siblings that they like don't look at me any differently because I'm queer. Uh, but I shouldn't have to say that I'm lucky for that. No. That shouldn't be a fucking thing. Because I'm not broken. I'm not diseased. I'm not, like, there's no issue with that. Don't get me wrong. I have a shit ton of mental health issues. Being queer is not one of them. Yeah. Like, so I just, I, I like, that really irks me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think this film does show it really well. They're like, it, it actually gave me a lot more insight into the people who do grow up with that because I, I have actually had a, a sibling who went through a phase of being a born-again Christian. Now, I am not saying that there is anything wrong with religion. I am not saying there's anything wrong with being any sort of religion, but he went through this phase and up until this point, he was the most accepting, loving incredible guy and he went through this phase because he was going through shit in his own life um and i remember sitting down and talking to him about it because he he walked in on me uh watching ellen and he was like he was like oh you're not gay are you and i was like a 16 year old kid at the time and i panicked and i was like oh fuck because i knew full well i was i was out to everyone apart from my family um, well, I, I still maintain, Kim, that you've never come out to me. So, and I never is will. You want to get off your chest? No, you'll never know for sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and he, he, I spoke to him about it, and he was saying like that he believes that if you're gay, you go to hell. He does not think that now. He has come out of that little phase, this that little blip. Uh, we got him help. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but um, I just. Like, I was so shocked by that because I haven't grown up with that. Yeah. Um, and nor had he. And he luckily has not continued on that wrong path. Um, but I just like, I have so much more empathy and sympathy now for people who grow up with that. Yeah. Because, of course, it's not all people of faith who God, believe no, no. that. <laughs> Again, wrong people, turn of phrase. Trans people <laughs> are, are, are wrong or sinful or. or it's a vice or any of these issues, you know, there's most, you know, there's a lot of people who don't believe that who are people of faith. It's when people use their faith to attack others or to um, treat others poorly. Yeah. That's when I have a problem with it. Um, and I would say the same about somebody who's secular. Somebody doesn't have to be religious to be homophobic or to send someone to a conversion therapy. Absolutely. Now. And also many of them, are, many of them are faith based, but not all of them are. No. Same with 12-step programs for, for um, drugs and alcohol. They are faith-based. The 12-step programs, if you look at it, they're faith-based. A lot of people who go to them and a lot of people who, and a lot of people who run them are not faith-based people. So it's not yeah. like... And there is nothing wrong with having a faith at all. But the, the issue is attacking and abusing people and using your faith as a reason for that, that is yeah. fucked up. Well, because it adds, it usually has so much more weight for people exactly. as well. It's one thing for somebody to say, I don't think your lifestyle is right. It's another thing to say, you're going to hell and God doesn't love you. That's a very different thing to kind of getting, you know, said to you um, yeah. or to, to make you feel like, especially if you are a person of faith, that your relationship with God is in any way jeopardized by your sexuality. That's a 
very traumatic thing probably to go through. Absolutely. For for me, when I was told I was going to hell, and not just by my sibling, I've been told numerous times by even just random people on the street um, that I'm going to hell. It doesn't have the same weight behind it for me because I don't believe in it. But yeah. it obviously it affects me to a certain degree because I'm like, you believe that me just existing warrants me going to what you class as the place that the worst of the worst go to but well it's likening you to people who commit serious crimes yeah um oh me me existing is a serious crime in your opinion like yeah you're you're as bad as a serial killer or something like that who's also going to go to hell um and so like yeah so i'm i'm in hell hanging out with like john wayne gacy and ted bundy because i sleep with women like what the fuck consensually as well like uh and i just it just blows my mind but then i think about it from people who have grown up with faith like i've got friends who are queer who are like catholic and are like the 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 amount of times i sit there and think about that and think like one of my best friends is catholic and uh a lesbian and she wants nothing more than to be able to get married in a catholic church and she's not allowed yeah yeah and yeah because just because you're um you're queer does not mean that you can't keep your faith oh absolutely some people, not some, some people turn away from it because of the way that their faith treats them because of their sexuality but many people still want to be involved in the church and still want to be involved in in their faith and in you know and believe in god um but there are things, there are barriers in place that make them feel less than yeah. or treat them poorly. If you use something that people truly believe to scare them and repress them, yeah, it works, and that is terrifying. Well, it doesn't work to change their sexuality. Oh God, no, that's not what I mean. Works, it works to beat them down and for them to try to repress it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I really didn't mean that it it works to change. <laughs> I mean, it works I to scare that. them. Yeah, I yeah, I knew you knew, but I just wanted to clarify for anyone listening yeah. that is not what I meant. Um, yeah. The way I must admit, if I was there, I would go out of my fucking mind if all you got had to do was ping pong and group therapy. There is nothing to do there. Oh, see, whereas I looked at it and I was like, oh my god. I would love to go there if it wasn't a conversion therapy camp because the trees were beautiful. And you know me, <laughs> I love just being in trees. Like, is it not climbing because I can't climb to save my life. Just like in a forest, which I know also for someone who loves true crime, uh, I probably shouldn't love forests so much because you should stay out of the forest. No. Um, no. But yeah, I just, I thought, oh, it's so beautiful. What, what are the scenes where she first is running? Which also, no. Um, but like, <laughs> I saw the, the, the shot and before they go hiking for the first time when her, I'm going to say Forrest and Sasha because I can't actually, Adam and Jane. Um, yeah. When they go hiking, I'm like, oh, so the fact that Jane grows weed in the forest, I'm like, this is my ideal home. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go back to yeah. group therapy. I'm like, oh, cancel that. Sorry. No, my Ooh. bad. <laughs> One of the best things about this film is to see their friendship grow. Mm. So Cameron meets uh, Jane Fonda. Um, <laughs> yes. And she um, is also friends with uh, Adam. Adam. Um, and they are there playing the game because 
they can't, you know, their parents have sent them there because they don't fit in with their lifestyle and their goals. Um, they are more conservative and um, more uh, and religious, and that's why they've sent them there. But they're not buying in with this whole, I am evil, I am a sinner stuff. They are just sitting it out, waiting it out, um, so that they can um, leave, hopefully, at some point soon. Well, Jane even, Jane even says, uh, like Cameron asks Jane, like, well, why are you here? And she goes, well, did you have a choice? Because I didn't have a choice. Exactly. Like There was no choice. No. There is no reason why you're there other than the fact that somebody sent you. And you have um, no autonomy as a teenager. No. Exactly. And you don't have any kind of legal rights to be able to make a decision for yourself that goes against your parents. Yeah. And where else? Where are you going to go? Your parents exactly. want to send you somewhere? You have to go. Exactly. But it's through these this friendship that Cameron starts to be a bit more open about her self because she basically finds her queer friends. Which, <laughs> oh my God, is so important. It is so important. But also another thing that these places don't seem to realise is that if you find other people that are like you, as long as you you can escape the fact that they're trying to beat you down and make you repress yourself, if you find people that are like you, that you like, that can be the most uplifting thing that you can have in your life. It, it saves lives. Exactly. So to have queer friends, like to have friends who are accepting of you being queer is great. To have queer friends is like a whole other level because there's just um, a level of acceptance that for the most part is, is there um, amongst most queer people. Don't get me wrong. There is bigotry within the queer community oh, yeah, as is. well. There's problems. But, but hopefully you wouldn't be also... friends with those people. Exactly. But there is a level of comfort sometimes being around people who have experienced similar things to you. And that's where we get to see this through this, this, this group of young kids who come together and they, they go on their hikes together, they smoke weed together, they have a laugh. They, this is where a lot of the humour comes from. Yeah, um, absolutely. In the story. And even the, even the fact that they, they'll ask each other questions and all of them at some point say you don't have to answer that if you're not comfortable, which I think is such a thing yeah. for queer people because we get asked invasive questions on a daily basis, like yeah, constantly. And the fact that they all collectively know that, so make it a safe space for each other, is just such a yeah. true look at queer friendship. And I loved that. Yeah, because like, queer people, as you said, know what it's like to be asked invasive questions because some people don't know, understand what Google is. And so they ask about how they, lesbian sex works or things like, you know, what definition of something to do with, with a, um, you know, a sexual orientation or something like that. They will ask the individuals rather than just doing their own research because Google is a thing and there's a lot of educational websites out there. Yeah. And then people ask specifics about your personal um love affairs, uh, interactions with people, ways you identify with yourself, yeah. all sorts of things that are just invasive and you wouldn't expect to be asked that necessarily. And also if by you were people, people you don't know. Like, I've literally yeah. been in bars and someone has said, oh, you're, you're, uh, obviously now I identify differently, but back when I was younger and used to go to clubs and bars um, and they were like, oh, you're a lesbian. And I'd be like, yeah. The first thing out of their mind, their mouths was always, oh, how do you have sex? Or like really deeply personal questions like, 
even like oh do you use a strap on or who's who's the man in your relationship even things like that and you're just like by who's the man all you mean is who wears the strap on and you don't understand that actually that's not necessarily how every lesbian has sex and i'm not turning around and saying do you always get an erection and shove it up there like it's so it's so invasive yeah, I think people, some people think that there always has to be a dominant person in a relationship or within a sexual situation, and there doesn't. No. There doesn't have to be a passive person and a dominant person. No. People can, you know, that can happen, but you can also have things where people just, you know, do things together. But also, <laughs> it's not your right to know everything. To ask those questions. What, to someone you've just met. No, it's very bizarre, isn't it? The way that people sometimes feel like they can ask those questions. Yeah. And it's so rude, especially like living in Britain, where we really don't like embarrassing questions. And yet no. that seems to still be something that's acceptable. Yeah, it's it's so weird. It's so weird. But I think I think this film did it so well, where they showed this queer friendship of all of them saying, like, you don't have to answer that if you're not comfortable. Like... Yeah, because and and we've done that like you myself and our friend Gemma who are all queer in different ways have definitely all said to each other at some point oh can I ask you this but don't worry if you don't feel comfortable ask answering yeah uh yeah because we know what it's like to have these invasive questions constantly rammed down our fucking throats because yeah as you said people don't know what fucking google is or because they just think that you're this joke that can like you're not a real person you're you're boiled down to just your sexuality so we don't have to think or, about how you feel yeah or you don't deserve privacy just like everybody else yeah. because also just because one person is very open about their um sexuality or very open about their sexual experiences doesn't mean everybody didn't is. didn't you know that all people are the same well, but even like, even, you know, even if you had two straight people, you could, uh, talking to each other, one person might want to tell you about every single thing they did in the bedroom and the other person might not. Yeah. And those are, but that's completely fine. And people seem to sometimes forget that lots of people like that privacy and not talking about what they do in the bedroom or don't do in the bedroom because yeah. that's nobody else's business. And yet there seems to be this um, expectation sometimes that, that queer people will just educate and tell you well, everything about that, their I sex think lives. Become, is, it comes from uh, porn, and I don't mean that as a negative on porn, but the fact that the most looked at porn for straight men is lesbian porn. It's just yeah. hypersexualizing lesbians. So then they, and obviously a lot of people don't equate other queer things in the community to being anything other than gay or lesbian so they then just see this as this hypersexualized fetish basically and you're mm. like no 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 i'm a person i'm i'm a person <laughs> i'm not a fetish i'm not like whatever the fuck you think like i don't come to your door with flowers and just like jump your bones like that's not that's not what it is also i really don't like it if i'm having sex and a man joins in with his re- erection like i know you've seen that <laughs> numerous times you're jerking off that's not actually what we enjoy <laughs> like and so you're hyper hypersexualized or yeah. you're hyper shamed there's no sort of like yeah. middle ground which is where most of us live. Yeah. No, I think it's um, this friendship definitely 
was one of the highlights of the film. So one of my favorite characters is definitely Adam. Um, I really like his, he's very monotone in his delivery. I'm saying he because he identifies as two-spirit, but he doesn't specify his, his pronouns, pronouns as being yeah. anything other than uh, he, him. So I'm using that, but if it's incorrect, I do apologize. But um, I he, love Adam. He's so good. I love him because he's got this very dry way or kind of monotone way of talking sometimes. And I really related when he said he's having this kind of heartfelt moment with with Cameron. And he says, that sounded sarcastic, but it's not. This is my genuine voice. Yes. And <laughs> afterwards, because it did come out maybe as, as sounding potentially sarcastic but I completely relate to that because the amount of times I try to say something sincerely and it sounds super sarcastic I just love to I think I think <laughs> firstly I think it's quite a British thing to anytime you do open up and say anything sincerely it sounds sarcastic but then on top of that you <laughs> because you so rarely open up and say sincere things and you normally are quite a sarcastic person the, yeah, like I've done it before where you've said something sincere and I'm like oh fuck you and you're like oh and I'm like oh wait <laughs> I'm sorry was that real <laughs> like it's definitely like yeah. it's something that as soon as I saw that I was like oh that reminds me of Soph <laughs> like yeah and he just has, he just has really uh, interesting observations like he says old people's tastes and lesbian run parallel <laughs> which I yes. kind of get yeah I yeah I thought not completely but like Cottage core and all that, yeah. 100%. Oh, absolutely. And like the whole like cat, like, oh, you're a cat lady. So you're either an old cat lady or you're a lesbian with a load of cats. Like, it's very yeah. like, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of crossover there in fairness. Or like even things like, I know a lot of uh, things, even on the L word years ago, going harping way back, showing our age, where Alice got into knitting. Yeah. And it was like such a thing. And it's like, yeah, that's like old people joy. Also lesbian yeah. joy. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> totally get it. Yeah, I love that. I one thing I do want to say about Adam while we're on the topic, uh, was the haircutting. Um yeah. so obviously being like a very ignorant white person, uh, I don't necessarily understand the full extent of this but for a lot of indigenous americans and uh, like native americans their hair holds like strength and power and the fact that this white woman firstly was so obsessed in a very obviously racist way with his hair throughout the entire film and then shaved it off taking away his strength and power oh and his identity I just like that oh like i don't even know what to say about it as as a very ignorant privileged white person but i just was so heartbroken for him in that moment like it definitely it definitely appeared to be racially uh, like motivated the way that she behaved um towards him yeah. because uh when we first meet uh her as a character dr lydia marsh um she comes into the classroom to welcome cameron and she makes a beeline for Adam and uh, aggressively takes his hair and pulls it back and ties it back for him yeah. um, and says, and it's not even that long his hair, 
but it's it's very slightly over his like maybe his eyebrows in the front. It's not particularly long hair or anything. But she pulls and scrapes it back and says, you know, the amount of times I've asked you that you need to pull your hair back. And then um, in uh, she says it repeatedly throughout the, the the story. She mentions about his hair and how he needs to pull it back. And then we see this very quiet and very chilling moment where we see him having to sit there while she shaved shaves his hair off i can't help but think considering she doesn't behave that way to anybody else and there's boys with fringes yeah or bangs as you say in america <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah boy they, bangs they, are my they, favorite <laughs> boy bangs um no there, yeah you're right there are other people there who have um you know hair that could be considered similar in length at least at the front yeah. and um she makes an intention an intentional um example of him at the very least and i don't think that it's got anything to do with her trying to kind of de-feminize him in any way um, it feels very I racial it feels very racial because in, uh, and also when we when i've seen other documentaries and films and things about uh, conversion therapy Often there is this expectation that the girls have to dress hyper feminine and the men have to dress more masculine. Yes, you're correct. And uh, that doesn't seem to be as strict in this particular film. For example, Cameron is often wearing trousers, which um, in a lot of uh, conversion therapy examples that I've with, you know that I've seen through documentaries and stuff, that's not allowed. Yes, yeah, she's uh, because you have a to lot. Wear skirts and dresses. They're in like oversized hoodies and like tracky pants, and I know their uniforms not that their uniforms are skirts and trousers like but they're allowed on their downtime to wear oversized hoodies and tracky pants which are quote unquote masculine yeah exactly um so i don't think it's got anything to do with that and that's why i can only imagine this is to do with some kind of racial yes um thing here and the fact that for him as well i would i I, as you said i'm quite ignorant when it comes to like uh, the kind of the beliefs of, of lots of um, uh, indigenous Americans. Um, but what I do understand is that hair is important for them. Yeah. From one my very little understanding. Yeah, it holds so strength to... and power. That's that's the exactly. belief. Like... And it, it can, in a lot of faith, hair can be a really significant yeah. part of their identity and have significant sacred um, meaning. And for then you've them. got this that's fucking colonizer coming in and shaving the head. Like. <laughs> It is a little like that. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And and this idea that he has to conform to kind of white culture yeah. rather than being allowed to express himself how he wants Which to. Which was Adam's whole story. Like, yeah. like, Adam's iceberg had all of this, like, what has caused you, quote unquote, to become queer. And a lot of it was his heritage and his yeah. culture and his beautiful native american indigenous american upbringing and and his who he is and yeah we then he he then has to change that because white man believes in this particular god and that anything that they are doing is wrong and it's just it oh it just that hurts so much watching that like and that's me as a like ignorant white person Like, imagine watching that as someone who has maybe even been through that or has had 
I mean, I don't think there's a single Native American or Indigenous American or Native Canadian out there who hasn't had their, their culture shat upon by white people. Well, hair is also, again, a significant thing about how many minorities have been targeted because of their hair. I'm not just talking about Indigenous No, look at uh, black Americans. people in general. Well, lots of people are inappropriate about people's hair, Um if it is not white, basically, yeah. as in like, you know, Caucasian hair. And so it's, again, it holds a lot of power in that yeah. sense because it is somebody who is, again, dictating how somebody has to treat their hair um, that goes against their culture. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on there and it's it's not, there's not, it's in there and it's intentionally in there, but there's not a lot said about it. It's just there to digest. Which I think this film actually does that quite a lot. Uh, so I have two other examples in this film just off the top of my head of where it has something that is not, maybe there's not a huge amount of attention drawn to it, but you're meant to maybe digest it yourself or look into it more yourself. One of which is the fact that Adam is two-spirit and that he very briefly explains that to Cameron who is a white girl um, and I know a lot of people don't know what two-spirit is um, like I know I, I definitely was ignorant to that until like maybe 2016 or something um, it's also something that's been misappropriated a lot as well oh absolutely um, and I like that they very briefly explained what it is and hopefully the people watching this film will look into it more and see the significance of it and realise what it is. Um, and also realise that they should be learning more about these the, the heritage of different people. Um, but the other thing that I found was very briefly touched upon but not gone into a lot was... Uh, Jane Fonda's uh, prosthetic leg. Yes. Um, so obviously in the film, she just uses that as a place to hide weed. And it's mentioned, oh, she got it in a car accident. And that wasn't actually what Cameron was wanting to ask her about. But she just assumed that it was because that is, as someone who is disabled and has a lot of disabled friends, one of the first things that you are asked a lot is how it happened or what's wrong with you. Yeah. So the fact that she did that was like great. I must say, it did annoy me that she wasn't a disabled actor in real life, but I did love the disabled yeah. representation just thrown in there subtly, without it being a big thing. So I was very conflicted yeah. by it, but I did I did enjoy that there was that. Um, the, this film does a lot of things well, like some of the cast are um, queer themselves or yes. they have queer family members. So even if it's not their own story, it maybe um, resonates with other members of their family. Absolutely. Like you're, you're saying there about Chloe, who has two queer brothers. Sasha yeah. is queer themselves. Like like that's like, so yeah. yeah. Uh, so And then uh, obviously there is some racial diversity and therefore cultural diversity. Um, and then you've got... Uh, some disability yes. uh, representation there, even if that's not necessarily handled the best. Yes, but at um, least, in terms at least of... they're trying. <laughs> exactly. Um, and considering it's not the, it's not a significant part of the plot. No. It's still disappointing, but it's not as disappointing as if the story was around a person who was disabled. Exactly. 
Um, and then yeah, there's just, there's lots of different kind of, kind of groups. There's, you know, there's, there's people who are bigger or smaller in terms of size. There's, there's lots of different kinds of people at this camp, which is nice to see. I agree. Um, so I they, agree. Like, I think they so did... lots of it, they did well. A lot of diversity but... <laughs> in this. And to be honest, the way films should be. Like, you're not watching yeah. this thinking, like, anything negative about any of the people, which is, like, it, it's got such a diverse cast. Like, the fact that they actually hired, like, Native American guy to play a Native American guy. They, yeah, exactly. Like, because so often we see that not happening. Like, it's yeah. so, which is why I was a little disappointed by the, the disabled representation, but also pleased that there was some disabled representation like it, it, it's this film it's did conflicting. so much so well that i don't want to harp on about maybe some missteps yeah. because i do think it did so much so well um and i do have an important question though feel free go ahead if you had a prosthetic limb what would you hide it at because it seems i mean i don't obviously i'm not somebody who has a prosthetic limb and I know there are challenges probably there, but it does also seem like quite a useful place to keep things. So what would be <laughs> the sort of thing you would keep in there? So, especially if you're a teenager. Well, this is what I was going to say. So if I was a teenager, I would d use it the same way that I used the hole in my wall that you know about from when I was a teenager. Um, <laughs> and I would keep exactly what I kept in there, which would have been my bottle of vodka, my lighter, my spare lighter, uh, because <laughs> they run out really fucking fast, my weed and my cigarette. That would have been... Fair enough. I would have rattled around like a bitch, but <laughs> yes. that is what I would have in there because that's exactly what I had in any of my hidey holes as a, as a kid. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. What about you? Oh, gosh. I mean, if I was a teenager, I guess, it, yeah, it probably would be cigarettes, lighter, maybe maybe alcohol? Possibly. And then you would have just drank mine out of my leg. <laughs> well, exactly. Um I don't know what else. Um maybe an old copy of Ginger Snaps. <laughs> oh, you so would have done. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is just a joke between us because I made Kim watch that quite a lot as a child. Oh yes, yeah, she did. Uh, yep. As a teen. <laughs> uh, maybe some Sandra Bullock movies. In fairness, <laughs> I'd be so on board for the Sandra Bullock movies in there. Um, so one thing I did wanna just Quickly. Mobile phone. Oh, your Nokia thirty three ten just jangling around in there. I like that. Yeah, with a with a tenor like inside the back case. Well, of course. That's your wallet. Of course. <laughs> back in the day, I love it. Oh, although I back in the day, I did have my wallet attached to a bike chain, hanging out yes. my pants. Because um, I was really cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one thing I do want to just say, I did read a an article on uh, Vulture uh, that was uh, interviewing both Chloe and Sasha. Um, I do apologise for my dog barking in the background there. Um, my baby's decided it's time for him to play. Uh, so on Vulture, they asked about the... Uh, they said, speaking of, I wanted to ask about your character's hollow leg. What was the story there and what else uh, were you keeping in it besides weed? And uh, Sasha Lane said, right, I mean, 
uh, I just kept my weed and my lighter and all my good stuff, which is exactly what we just said. Um, <laughs> and she goes, I mean, I'm not really sure. There was no real story to it. And then Cam- uh, sorry, Cameron, Chloe says, uh, I love that the film just glosses over that. And that is kind of how I felt about it. Where, where it made it a non-issue. It was both great and not great at the same time. Like, yeah. it was great in the sense that it shouldn't have been an issue and glossed over it and that was great. But also not great in the fact that it was there without a disabled representation. But I did love that it was just, this is who Jane Fonda is. <laughs> and yeah. uh, like she's still going on hikes and doing all of the stuff because guess what? If you're disabled, your life is not over. Uh, and I did love yeah. that. I did love that. So yeah, I think this film did that very, very well to an extent. So towards the end of this film, there is um, a really horrific thing that happens. So we've had, um, we've seen multiple occasions where lots of different individuals that are at the camp are receiving questionable Abuse. Teachings and abuse, well, <laughs> emotional abuse, basically, at the hands of this doctor and Reverend Rick. And uh, we see this kind of culminate in um, one of the characters, Mark. And uh, so he is very excited because he believes he's going to be able to go home. And he receives a letter from his father saying that um, he, is, he is too feminine and he is not uh, able to come back. To his father's house because he hasn't been quite fixed because he hasn't been fixed exactly um and this is devastating um understandably for for this um for this character for this child and for this child and this, a horrific thing happens we see first in a group therapy um setting his kind of breakdown of him um basically talking about how he he needs to make his weaknesses into his strength which also and... he he said about if my weakness is my strength then surely i'm so strong because they're saying about but you have to be strong to overcome these and if you've got these weaknesses you... yeah like it, the whole scene was heartbreaking and then the fact that yeah dr lydia marsh stands on his back to stop him from yes. doing it uh like firstly that's gone from yeah. the abuse of just mental abuse which by the way by that i do not mean is any lesser it is still terrible no. but she's also now physically abusing the children which she did with you the hair cutting as well but yes you can see that in that moment she doesn't know how to handle the situation because she's not actually qualified because so how she handles it is when he's on the floor because he has you know um got himself into such a state that he kind of falls to his, his to his um, knees, and she's do he's doing and, push-ups. Yeah, and doing push-ups, and she um, to try and stop him from having this outburst. Essentially, she puts his her, her foot on his back, pushes him down, and says, "I will hold you here until this is basically over, until you collect yourself and you get yourself together." And then it was we see the result. It's awful to see, and you're right. This is now, you know, escalated into physical abuse as well, because that is demeaning at the very least, and um, you shouldn't. This, this is not restraining a person. This is pushing somebody down. In a group therapy session, there is an adult with her high heel stood on the back of someone 
physically of a child. pushing this child to the floor yeah. because he is having a, to be honest, normal reaction to terrible yeah. news because you have taught him to help hate himself and he thought that he was quite mm-hmm. fixed. It's awful. And then as a result of this, during the night, he chooses to, to hurt himself very significantly. He uses a razor to cut his genitals and he pours bleach on them. Um, and this, I mean, it's just so heartbreaking that you that somebody could get to a point where they are so disgusted by their sexual urges or who they are uh, because of what they have been told about themselves that they choose to harm themselves absolutely it's both it's both heartbreaking and completely understandable from what we've seen and and we know that statistically um queer people are more likely to uh self-harm um as young people and we also know that you know people who go through conversion therapy are more likely to suffer from mental health issues as a result of of that experience and we see that through this character very extremely but what it leads to is that of course you can't escape the fact that uh, because this child needed medical intervention there has to be some kind of um intervention from uh child protection protective services um to check that then the children there are not being abused and we get to see cameron having this interview with this this person who, whose job it is to to find out what's going on at the place well and to a certain extent to a certain extent, he wants to know whether they're being physically abused, sexually abused, being mistreated and neglected in any of those ways. And Cameron makes a, a key point by saying, how is programming people to hate themselves not emotional abuse? Yes. And he kind of disregards it. All he says is, I'm going to make a note of this. But it kind of is implied that this isn't going to change anything. I'm not interested in whether you're being emotionally abused because... He says that he's he's looking for physical abuse or for indications that there is abuse happening in that way, but not looking at the faith-based intention of the programme. Well, he says, I'm not here to look into the message of the programme. Mm. So he's not here to look into the abuse that is ingrained within this programme. He is just looking yeah. to see if they are in any, quote, immediate danger of sexual or physical abuse that's that's it that's all he's there for which goes to really show what it is that we think of as protecting youth because well because as as somebody who works with young people i work in an education setting with young teenagers and there every year there is mandatory safeguarding training uh which includes looking out for signs of uh physical sexual emotional um abuse and neglect and uh, we also often have to do um, extensions of, of that training as well. And every educational setting in the UK, as well as um, places like youth groups and, and other organisations, scouts, brownies, all these sorts of places, will have to undergo lots of training so that they can um, under, you know, obviously understand seeing the signs of abuse that children might be experiencing um, from maybe outside of school uh, of, of that situation, of, of that organisation. Um, but also uh, because it, it kind of teaches how you are not, you know, you, you can't do certain things to children. There are certain things that are, will be considered abuse and you cannot do them within this organisation, within this setting. 
Um, so, for example, we don't have corporal punishment in schools <laughs> anymore, thank God, um, because that is a form of physical and technically emotional abuse. Um, and so there are protections in place for young to protect young people um, in all the different institutions and places that they may go to, um, you know, in their everyday lives. Um, anywhere who works with young people in this country has to go through this training. And so it astonishes me then that we are allowing emotional abuse to happen within conversion therapy. And this is a perfect example of people who are allowed to get away with emotional abuse when perhaps if these kids were going to school in America, they would not, you know, anything like this would be seen as being um, abuse and seen as a failure on on the part of the people running these institutions. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's I mean, you, you just said it there yourself, like anyone who is in charge of youth has to go through all these safeguarding things but we still legally allow conversion therapy in this country exactly how, how is that safeguarding our fucking youth how is that how is that self safeguarding anyone it's such it's bizarre bullshit because it's government mandated training that all these organizations have to go through understandably because we are we have a duty of care to young people who at that stage of life in particular, are incredibly vulnerable, either from their own actions or the actions of others around them, including perhaps even their parents. You know, this we are there to see uh, and, and make sure that people are not harmed because there have been national cases where things have happened too late to step in and prevent harm happening Absolutely. to young people. So, and the government therefore makes it mandatory that we, we, we do everything as a duty of care to, to look after these young people. As it should be. But then we... Exactly. But then we allow things like conversion therapy to continue. And in the UK at the moment, we have a really significant thing happening, which is where, first of all, the Conservative government keep yo-yoing between yes, no, yes, no, in terms of banning conversion therapy. Two years ago, they said they were going to do it and it still hasn't happened yet. So nowadays, like currently, as we're recording this, which is what the 20th, 20th. 20th of April, there we go. I it comes out tomorrow, which is the 21st. Yes, uh, there we go. Uh, clearly, I knew exactly what I was saying. Um, <laughs> As always, both of us um, are so mm. on, on point. <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, currently it stands that they are going to ban uh, gay therapy or uh, ther uh, conversion therapy, I should say. Conversion therapy based on somebody's sexual orientation they are moving forward to ban, but they have specifically removed um, protections for trans youth or trans people going through conversion therapy. So as it stands in this country, there are steps being taken to ban conversion therapy based on sexual orientation, but they have specifically taken it upon themselves to um, keep trans people in a position where they could be under significant harm. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole thing with, like, the reason I chose this film this week was because of everything that's going on in the UK at the moment. Um, with with the fucking Conservative government, where they they obviously have said previously that they would ban it all, and then when, they, when it came to it, they said, no, no, we're not going to ban it. Uh, don't ban conservative... Uh, sorry, conservative therapy. Don't ban conversion <laughs> therapy. Um, and then... They obviously had to flip-flop on that because people were out outraged. Now, there are still people outraged about the fact that they are keeping trans out of this, but there is less because there is such a 
prevalent transphobia in this country that is heartbreaking and shocking uh and i just like i'm heartbroken by it i just don't know what what is happening with any of this i just yeah i don't know i don't even know what to say about it but i with regards to what the government is doing at the moment uh at this point in time as you were saying they've they've agreed to gay and bi conversion therapy ban but that's it yeah so i did actually i pulled up an article uh from the bbc that i will be putting on our uh social pages and on the website and and everywhere else that we have like on the on the notes from this podcast so you can read the whole thing but i did actually have some of it that i did want to just read out loud um because i think it sums it up pretty well um, so this is, as I said, from the BBC. This was on the 1st of April, so obviously it's a little while ago, but uh, since then... Uh, I mean, I'll tell you what's happened since then afterwards, but uh, it's not a lot. Uh, so the government now says it will ban so-called conversion therapy for gay or bisexual people in England and Wales, but not for transgender people. It comes hours after it had said it would drop plans for the ban entirely. So that's obviously what we were just saying about how it's flip-flopping all over the fucking place. Uh, obviously, this bit here is me, not the BBC. I'm pretty sure they don't say flip-flopping all over the fucking place. But um, so, yeah, it's it's bullshit. Uh, so back to the BBC. Uh, the legislation will mean that uh, will mean therapy to attempt to change people's sexuality will be outlawed. But those practices carried out to try and change people's gender identity will not. Just hours earlier, a government spokesperson had said the ban would be dropped and that they would instead review ways to stop conversion therapy practices through existing law and other measures. But the announcement that the ban will not cover gender identity has been met with criticism from some MPs and charities. The Rainbow Project said any ban that did not include transgender people, quote, not a real ban. Labour MP Nadia Whitmore said it was not, sorry, it was still not good enough before adding LGB comes with the T and the Tories are not on our side. Uh, it is thought that the government sees it as too complicated to avoid any unintended consequences of the legislation, uh, which may affect parents, teachers and therapists who are helping children experiences, experience gender identity issues. But the Welsh government has called the move unacceptable and said it was getting, quote, legal advice on action it can take to ban trans conversion therapy. Uh, so obviously back to us here uh i mean this is just heartbreaking i mean i'm not surprised i don't know if you're surprised but i'm really not surprised that the conservatives are the ones who are fucking up the country like this i am still surprised every day that we still allow conversion therapy of any sort in this country uh i'm i mean i'm surprised all over the world but especially because it's something that I haven't experienced growing up mainly in this country. Obviously, I've I've lived in other countries, but I never experienced that coming out. And I just am so shocked that in this day and age, we're still having these, <laughs> these fucking issues. Like, how are we still treating this as if we need a fucking 12-step program to de-gayify us? Well, what I would like to 
No, first of all, is uh, so they're they're continuing to go ahead with the uh, banning of well, at the moment anyway the banning of conversion therapy based on sexual orientation. Yes. I would like to know specifically if that's going to be a broad scope. So just in terms of sexual orientation, or if it is just going to be, as you said, specifically uh, gay, gay and, bi. and bisexual. Because if it is gay and bi, that leaves out a plethora of people who, for example, as an asexual, I'm not protected under that. Nope. And people might scoff and think that there is no um, conversion therapy for asexual people, but there is. Um, and of course there, there is, are... yeah. Exactly. There and shouldn't there be. By, other... by me saying, of course there is, just to clarify... I don't mean, well, of yeah. course there is. There should be. I mean, of course there we is. We don't escape yes, it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And then there are, of course, many other sexual orientations which are not being taken into consideration there. So I would worry that that could be a loophole for people. Um, and, and I would hope that either it's a broad statement that would include everybody um, or they specifically say um, who is involved. I highly um, doubt it's a broad statement, to be honest. The conservative government that we have uh I, I i do worry because it just means that there's going to be a lot of people who are even left out of that and pe when there's a will there's a way and people will find loopholes so that they can continue to do their damaging well, even therapy if you, sessions to convert people yeah, exactly and even if you look at the way that they do the conservative the conservative again with the conservative <laughs> sorry the way they do the conversion therapy in cameron post where they say about it being gender confusion if we don't get rid of yeah. trans conversion therapy, people can then come around instead of getting rid of their, uh, like, quote, gay or bi kids, they can be like, oh, they're just gender confused and send them to conversion therapy through the trans loophole. Well, what I find bizarre is, again, in schools, we are there to protect young trans people. Yes. We, I have worked with young trans people. There are certain protections there for them so that they um, are able to uh basically exist as as they want to in terms of so they can wear whatever uniform they would like to wear they could their pronouns have to be respected if they change their name not legally of course because you can't do that until you're usually older but um, in terms of on the register and things like that we will change those names we'll do everything to respect those those changes that people might want to make so there are things that we as 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 educators have to do um, as legal protection for those young people. Um, so it, it's very confusing to me that there's then uh, that, that we're then saying, yes, it's okay, we support you, be who you are, um, and then at the same time say, but you could also just go off to a conversion therapy camp. It just, it, it's a, a hypocrisy that I, I don't really understand there. And when I've heard uh, Boris Johnson speaking on the matter, he seems to be conflating the idea that if we don't challenge young people who uh, are trans or non-binary or whatever, then we are going to encourage young people to do, as he would call it, irreversible um, medical procedures. Oh. Which, first of all, trans banning trans conversion therapy has nothing to do with any medical transition nope. that a young person may be considering. It's about giving young trans people um, emotional support um, and giving them a, a loving space to be able to, you know, discover and develop who they are. And potentially it's not keeping about, them alive. It's not necessarily, you know, you know, when when in schools, for example, we encourage people and we uh, to to be who they are and be authentic and be allowed to express themselves in those ways. We're not then giving them 
you know, leaflets on, on all the medical transitions that they can take. We want to help them to be able to be who they are, discover who they are, so that when they are adults or when they are old enough to make those decisions with their families, perhaps, they can make the right decisions for them. Um, they can do that with medical professionals. We are not medical professionals. It's about making sure that they have a safe environment. Conversion therapy uh, for trans people is going to be the opposite of that. That That is literally putting trans youth in danger or trans people in danger because it is teaching them self-hatred rather than self-acceptance and self-love. Absolutely. And I don't... There's always this argument, and I... <laughs> which is uh, it's usually coming from transphobes or people who are ignorant, which is where all trans issues have to be related, particularly when it's talking about the youth, have to be related to medical transition. Now, first of all, to be trans, you don't have to have a medical transition. Absolutely not. And second of all, a lot of young people are not necessarily, might be considering that, but will not take those steps until they're older anyway. Not all. There will be some who will receive medical support with that. But majority they are still discovering who they are and they are, you know, trying different ways perhaps to present how they want to present. But conversion therapy and banning conversion therapy has absolutely nothing to do with medical transition. So why it keeps being brought up as a reason for why we should keep conversion therapy for trans youth makes absolutely no sense. I have, uh, yeah, I have a couple of points on that. One of which is actually a quote from the NHS England, which obviously the NHS is our nat- national health service. And sure, yeah. th- like, we should listen to them, to be honest, above our mm-hmm. uh, like bigoted fuckwit of a prime minister. Uh, and the NHS England... Say how you feel, Kim. Abs- <laughs> no, I'm, I'm hiding it. Um, <laughs> Uh, The NHS England and other major psychological bodies in the UK have warned all forms of conversion therapy are, quote, unethical and potentially harmful. So how is it that it's safer to have conversion therapy for trans youth and for trans people in general than it is to allow trans people to figure out who the fuck they are? It's such bullshit and it does not make sense. There are people who are in charge of our health as a society saying that that's bullshit. How about we listen to them rather than a bigoted Eton boy with a stick up his ass because he's a... Oh, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, obviously I'm very anti this. But also, as someone who comes under the trans umbrella, I grew up in a time where I didn't realise that that was even an option. I did not know that I could be anything other than I was, quote, born. And I don't mean that as in, if you're trans, you're not born that way. I mean, I didn't realise that I could not, I could grow up to realise who I was. I thought that I was born, like, I, I was assigned female at birth and that was that was my journey. That's all I thought because we were not taught anything. We were not told that we could be who we are. So the fact that this is now even coming up, that this is potentially harmful, is such bullshit. Because I'm now in my 30s trying to figure out who I am because I didn't have that help. I didn't have that, like, safe space. So the fact that this is, 
like being told that it's harmful for kids. Do you know what? It's more harmful that I grew up in a time where there wasn't any talk about this. I have had way more harm done to me because I couldn't transition as a kid or or figure out who I was as a kid. We're, we're helping trans youth by talking about this. Like, us protecting the youth doesn't mean stopping queer culture. It means actually embracing everyone for who they are. Well, exactly. That's the thing. Conversion therapy only is only there to hurt people. Yeah. And whereas if we can just give people the love and space to explore who they are, just as we allow everybody else that love and space as young people to explore who they are, then we will be helping so many more people, particularly with their mental health. It's really significant. So thankfully, there are lots of people who are very angry about um, the fact that trans conversion therapy is is not being put in the same bill with uh, banning conversion therapy outright, that it's been uh, singled out as something that can be kept. So there's lots of people, there's been protests, I believe you were telling yes, me. Yes, so uh, there's been a lot of protests, but there was one that that really popped up uh the other day which i think popped up uh, specifically for me because i lived in manchester for a while uh but it was in manchester and there was this gigantic protest where people turned up to march um and it was mainly part of the queer community all turned up and came together to support trans people because of this government row and i just it was the most moving thing to see because we hear yeah. so much about turfs and then yeah. when the queer community does show up for trans people you realize that turfs are the minority yeah so is there anything that we can maybe encourage listeners to do are there any petitions that you're aware of uh so there with regards to petitions at the moment and with regards to signing i'm not actually 100 percent sure myself with where well, things well, sorry go on We'll find so yeah we'll find if we do find anything we'll put it in the um, the links of uh, like the the description of this pod uh, this episode we'll also put it on social as well exactly um, on our link tree so please do go and have a look there and I guess like if you're in the UK write to or call your MP absolutely anything you especially if they're conservative anything you can do to encourage them and let them know how many people want trans conversion therapy to be banned um, would be really, really, really significant. So please, if you have any opportunity to do so, um, please do uh, do that. And I will also have a look and see if there's anything that, you know, any like websites or anything that might help you. Uh, quite often there are templates and, and ideas of things that you can um, send to your MPs regarding these sorts of issues. So I'll have a quick look and see if there's anything that I can put there for people. Because I know I certainly need to do that. Uh, and uh, we'll... Uh, We'll all put our two cents in. Um, Absolutely. And also, just remember when it comes to voting, vote for the most vulnerable yeah. person you know. Don't vote for you. Vote for the people yeah. that are going to be affected by these laws. So if you are a cis, straight, white man who is rich as fuck, don't vote for your rights. Vote for the minority's rights. So when you when it comes to voting, if you're voting conservative, take a second to think about the people who that actually affects. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely, um, yeah, look into all the different ways that uh, different policies can, can harm certain communities. 
um, before you before you vote. Yeah, and and um, harm doesn't just mean like this with cons- conversion therapy or these things that you actually have in like written into law. If you think about the mental strain it puts on people and you wonder why there's such a high percentage of suicide within the queer community, just take a second to think about these things that we have in law in this play in this country and in a lot of other countries that are telling us that we are not okay and we are not correct for being who we are. Just take a second to think about that. Sing if you're glad to be gay. Sing if you're happy that way. Hey, I don't know the rest of that song. <laughs> it can be good to be queer, but yeah, you need to obviously get your voice out there and make sure we're protecting not only yourself in the community, but other people within the community as well. As someone who is queer in every iteration of the uh, the word, like both sexual, sexual orientation and gender, uh, I fucking love being queer. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely adore it. And I am so happy that I'm queer and I'm so happy that I found my queer family. And it's amazing. And yeah. we need to let our youth get to a point where they feel like it's amazing. Because if we keep yeah. on the way we're doing, people get to my age. Bloody hell, that's dramatic. But yes, for some people that will be the case. Yeah. Jeez. Um... <laughs> I thought I'd end on a downer. No. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? This was a great film to revisit at this time because it really can help, I think, the viewer to connect with people who might be going through similar experiences um, regarding conversion therapy. It helps to add empathy, I think, and also insight. So thank you for recommending this film. It's a really good time in kind of our history to kind of revisit this one. Of course. And as we said... There is so much humour within this film. So just because I'm talking yeah. at the end here about like suicide, don't take that as what the film is going to be about. There is so much joy within this film. Even things like, at one point, uh, Adam is told to say something sexy to someone and his version of that is saying, pull my finger. Like, there's just so <laughs> much little humour parts in this. So it makes it a film that everyone can watch and then come away from and think about and i think that that is what art is all about i think it's also like a crisp 90 minutes so you know i love that unlike this podcast which is definitely not a crisp 90 minutes (laughs) so anyway it's an important subject so you know we we went on a bit but i hope i hope that if any of you are still here you will at this point be excited to hear about what film soph has chosen for us to watch next week yeah, so I was not sure, so I've just gone for uh, one of my favourite films, um, a film that has an amazing cast. I love a uh, strong, independent woman. I love it even more when it's an ensemble of strong, independent yes, women. Yes, you do. Um, I love, exactly, I love the 90s. I love feminism. Wait, or you like love the 90s? I never know. I do that. love the 90s. <laughs> um, and so uh, this is it's an amazing film. It's got Bette Midler, Goldie Horn. Uh, Diane Keaton. Um, oh God, can I remember them all? Maggie Smith. Stockard Channing. Stockard Channing. Sarah Jessica Parker. There is a lot of people in this film, and it is amazing. And I can't wait for us to to watch this one because I think it might lift our spirit a little bit as well after this uh, this week. So the film, obviously, that I am going to recommend 
is the first wives club. Yes, I was that nine-year-old who was watching films made for 40-year-old women, but I loved it. Which, <laughs> and now you nearly being a 40-year-old woman, I mean, not quite. Excuse you. <laughs> I think excuse you. your taste hasn't changed. <laughs> no, I, I just love it. It's so much fun. So I'm looking forward to us. Uh, going into that film next week. I'm so excited to revisit that film. It's been it's been a couple of years, I mean, a few years actually. I say a couple, but it's a few years since I saw it, and I'm very excited to revisit that film. I think it's a good yeah, choice, and, and it will be a nice palate cleanser. Exactly, it's definitely a film you can watch with your mum as well. So, well, I'm I'm actually planning on watching it with my son. Uh, he's a big fan of dancing and a big fan of strong, independent women. So, well, there we go. So uh, please do come and join us next week. Follow us on Instagram at Heavenly Features Pod. Uh, you can please follow and subscribe and like and do all those sorts of things on your app of podcast app of choice. Absolutely, and um, and do rate and review because it actually really does help. It it makes such a significant dif- difference if you do rate yeah. and review. So it really would help uh, us uh, in getting the word out there, whether it be us having a jolly old time with things like the First Wives Club or uh, Best in Show or me going on and droning on about how trans rights are important. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, you know what? it's important. Both are important. Both are important. So we will see you then. Um, please join us then. Absolutely. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe. And you can follow us on Instagram at Heavenly Features Pod. You can also email us at heavenlyfeaturespod at gmail.com. And you can also find us at 18maidenlane.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.